Today's sermon passage is found in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. Let's pray together. Father and our God, today, we're gathered in the name of your Son. We're gathered as your people around your word. Lord, would you meet with us by your Spirit? Would you convince us anew that your Son, Jesus, is our hope, our peace, our rest, and our strength? And would you work in power for your people, for your name, through this gathering? We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. It's good to see you all this morning, friends. If you haven't done so, please take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 3. Here at Redeemer, we are working our way through the book of Matthew. And last week, we were in this very same passage, and we, we talked about the message of repentance that John was calling for, that God sent John to call for. And today we want to consider and, and think about the reasons that God sent John and the purpose of God's ministry. So friends, this is one of those places in the Bible where son where where the takeaway is 
theological, where the takeaway is God did this for this purpose so that you'll look where the Lord wants you to look. And that's really the passage today. The the thrust of of Matthew chapter 3 is that the kingdom of Jesus is primarily about Jesus and how we respond to him. Now, that's filled with redundancy on purpose. The kingdom of Jesus is about Jesus and how we respond to him. It's not about our religious pedigree. It's not about our religious performance. It's about knowing Jesus the King, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Son of David, Jesus the Son of Abraham. It's about being One with him. And so in many ways, John 3, there are two realities that are intended to just be a huge spotlight on Jesus. So everybody here love a good concert, some entertainment, right? Like, so you're in your favorite concert and it goes completely dark. And then what happens next? There's a huge spotlight. What's the purpose of the spotlight? is to tell you where to look. And nine times out of ten, which person to look upon? Because the star walks into the spotlight. I I think, look, Jesus is far more than a star at a concert. Don't make that connection. But John 3 is really that. It's a fade to black, here's a spotlight, Set your eyes on the spotlight because the person you need to see, he's right there. And there's a couple different ways the spotlight gets shined. And so that's what we want to look at today. Um, Matthew 3 is Matthew under the leadership of the Holy Spirit saying, we need to be looking at Jesus. We need to be considering him. Before we get to what he did and what he said and how he did it, I'm telling you, look to him. He's the one. Set your gaze on Jesus. And so we get two different ways that light is shined. First, through John the Baptist. Second, through the baptism of Jesus. So first point, if you want to take notes, preparing for the king. Preparing for the king. This is a significant encounter in the Bible, in history, where where God is saying, look for my son, look to my son. And he does it through the work and the ministry of John the Baptist as he has become known. So chapter 3 begins this way. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. His message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that was last week's sermon. We spent the sermon on the message of John. Um, But effectively, what John was calling for was he was calling to the Jews, to the religious people and saying, you're not ready to meet your Messiah. Turn away from your sin, turn away from unrighteousness, turn to God, and cry out for a a clean heart. And then this was symbolized in John's act of baptism. Now, if 
you want to know more about that, you should listen to last week or we can talk after the service. But verse 3 begins to tell us why this is so important. For John is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, and he's going to quote from Isaiah chapter 40, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So what Matthew is claiming is this. God promised that at the right time, in the right place, He would send a messenger to prepare the people for the coming Savior. Okay, so God promised a messenger whose message and ministry and work was to prepare the people for the Savior who was to come. God's people knew of this. They had been anticipating he who was to come. It's not only promised in Isaiah 40, but Isaiah 40 being one of the more prominent places. There'll be a voice in the wilderness crying, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord. Matthew's saying John was this voice. John was this voice that God sent to prepare God's people for the coming of the Lord. So make his path straight is a a word play to say remove obstacles, remove things that stand in the way of God's people, between God's people and the Lord, such that the path will be readied for the coming of the Lord. And Matthew's saying this was the work of John. John was out there in the wilderness Preaching, proclaiming, preaching, proclaiming, preaching, proclaiming, and people were coming. The story says, verse 5, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Tying together confession of sins and preparing the way. So many people were going, verse 7, that the religious leaders were coming out to observe what was going on, such that John condemned them for their unrighteousness and their lack of preparation to meet the king. But even John knew that his ministry wasn't the point. Rather, his ministry was preparatory. Look at verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. Meaning I'm not worthy to perform the most menial household task for him. He's greater than I am because he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will give to you the Spirit of God and truly cleanse and purify you. Even John knew that his ministry was merely preparatory. Preparatory matters. It's important. That's not to demean the work of John. But if John thought he was the one, he would not have been carrying out this role that the Bible said was so important. 
So this ministry of John and ultimately Jesus coming out to John was a biblical was a plan laid by the Lord unfolded told of in the scriptures unfolded in real space and time such that the people would see a bright shining light on Jesus John's fame John's success John's fruitfulness was for John to draw a crowd and say, look over here. For John to say, I've got your attention. Clearly the Lord's at work. What I'm doing is merely preparation. You need him and the baptism of the Spirit and the baptism with fire. So what we see unfolding here in Matthew 3 is the ministry of John to prepare the people for Jesus, the King, who is to come. And I think before we leave that point, I mean, we could go, oh man, that's so so good. There's there's prophecies in the Old Testament, and and if we study real hard and, and underline our Bibles with all the different colored pencils, then then we can have these aha moments where we go, mm, the Bible's true. That's right, the Bible's true. But it's far more than that. This is for us to go, God ordered the world before the beginning of time so that he even knew the warning signs that he would lay out so that when Messiah came, Messiah would be known. The people had been eagerly waiting this figure of John who is to come. We're not done with John in Matthew because later in Matthew, Jesus is going to say that John completes another one of those warning figures in Elijah coming again. But that's for 12 or 13 months from now when we get way far over there in Matthew. Kidding, not kidding. Okay, Um, But friends, here's the takeaway. When the word of the Lord and the work of the Lord says, look over there. The blessing comes over there. And all you guys are sitting in that back corner, you're like, yeah, that's right. We love y'all over here too, okay? But look over there. Faith says, okay, I'll look over there. And I really think our takeaway from this John story really is that simple. Hey, I'll look over there. Now, in in not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle's account of the John the Baptist story, that's really easy off the tongue, isn't it? He records John the Baptist saying, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. All the fame, it's right here. All the work, it's right here. The scorn of the religious leaders, it's right here. But all that is for the purpose that we look over there. And so often, we see ourselves yearning for figures besides Jesus to set our gaze upon and set our energy upon and set our hope upon and set our excitement on. Let's Let's remember the call of John. My ministry and all of its success 
And all of its blessing from God is so that I can say, look at him. Look at him. That's verses 1 through 12. Second point. John came to prepare for the king. Second point, the king is declaring that he's here. Or the father and the spirit are declaring that the king is here. We see this in verses 13 through 17. And this is the story of the baptism of Jesus. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Now, one of you emailed me this week and said, all right, I just don't get it. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Help. To which I responded, I'll see you on Sunday morning. Come to church. Send. This is a hard question. It really is. So, so what the story says is that Jesus came to be baptized by John. John tried to fight back and say, no, this shouldn't happen. Jesus said, no, it's, it's going to happen. So Jesus is baptized. And in Jesus being baptized, he is affirmed by the Spirit and the Father as the one who is to come. So the baptism is another huge, bright, shining light on Jesus saying, look to him, listen to him, trust him, follow him. And friends, there is so much stuff in this story of the baptism, we're going to spend a little time wrestling with it. So we're going to play some intellectual fancy at Redeemer on Sunday, September 4th. All right, so here we go. So the passage says, Jesus came to be baptized by John. Now, this is really important. Verse 14, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Now, here's what's important about verse 14. John realizes Jesus is the king, and he is not. Additionally, John realizes Jesus has no unrighteousness in his life to repent of, therefore to identify in baptizing. baptizing. But Jesus answered him, let it be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So the Bible answer to the question, why did Jesus need to be baptized? For John and Jesus to fulfill all righteousness. So let's think about that phrase. Jesus says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. First of all, us is important here. Jesus isn't saying, I need to do this so I can become righteous. He's saying, you and I together need to participate in this act so that righteousness can be completed. Second, we evangelicals hear righteousness as absence of sin, and we think of it as, an, as the antonym of unrighteousness, which is sin. But righteousness in the scripture is far more broad than that. 
Righteousness is everything that God desires, everything that God wants, everything that God has planned. So Jesus can say, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness without saying I'm unrighteous. You guys tracking with me? He can say, I'm doing this to complete all of God's plans without saying I need to turn away from sin. Actually, he's doing it to turn towards sin and to identify with the sinfulness of the humanity that he's coming to redeem. So Jesus, literally from the scripture, is being baptized for he and John to fulfill all righteousness, for he and John to complete the plans of God. There's your Bible answer. Some of you are like, can you help me a little more? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I think there are five things going on in this fulfilling of righteousness that we see in the story of the baptism of Jesus. Number one, by participating in the baptism of John, Jesus is affirming the ministry and the place of John in the plans of God. Remember we were told earlier that the religious leaders were kind of standing far back, listening and scoffing? What if Jesus would have gone and hung out with them? Then that would have said what's going on here is not valid. But he's coming into it, joining, participating in it, and joining it as a way to say this is the work of God. Number two. By participating in the baptism of John, Jesus is affirming the message of John, meaning he's affirming the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's affirming that what John is preaching and the baptizing that he's doing is accurate, is valid, and is righteous, meaning what God desires. This is similar to number two, but I think it matters. Jesus is identifying himself with the needs of the people. While he is not sinful and unrighteous needing to be cleansed, he is identifying that John's message is accurate and all the people, even the religious ones, Even the children of Abraham need to have their unrighteousness cleansed. And so in baptism, he's identifying with the sinful need of humanity without himself becoming sinful. Now, if that feels intellectually spread out, just recognize that on the cross, Jesus didn't deserve to die. He didn't have any sin to pay a penalty for. He was identifying with the sinfulness of humanity so he could take away the sting of sin and death that that desired, deserved. So even in the baptism, Jesus is identifying with the spiritual needs of Israel and the world. Fourth, in participating in the baptism, Jesus receives but Jesus already had it. The people observe the divine approval of Jesus. 
In the baptism, the people observe the divine approval of Jesus as the king to come, as the savior, as the Messiah. We're told in verse 16, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Now, notice what it doesn't say. He saw a dove fly down, land on his shoulder, and everybody went, oh, a sign of the Spirit. That's not what it says. What it says is they observed the Spirit of God, like Genesis 1, hovering over the waters in creation. They observed the Spirit descend upon Jesus like a dove in affirmation of him. You have some doubts? Remember the baptism. It goes further. Verse 17, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The voice of the Lord from the heavens saying to be heard, this is my beloved son, my beloved servant, the one who was to come. And I am pleased in him. My favor rests upon him. So Jesus was baptized for this affirmation for the people that he is the one who was to come. Fifth. In the baptism, in the descending of the Spirit, in the voice from heaven opening, God is announcing the ending of the silent period. God is announcing the ending of the silent period. Now, when we study the scripture, we go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that intertestamental period. There's that thing between the Old Testament and the New Testament where God didn't send any prophets and God didn't send any word and God didn't write any new scripture You approach that very intellectually, and that's not a big deal. Now, put yourself into it, though. The last prophet came. God quit sending prophets. Is God still for us, or is God against us? We still don't have prophets. Wait, we still don't have a word from the Lord. Wait, we still don't have a word from the Lord. Wait, my granddad's granddad, we still don't have a word from the Lord. When is the Lord going to speak again? When is he going to send another prophet? When is he going to come and reveal his word to us? The heavens open and the Lord declares, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. One of many things that he's saying there is, I'm speaking. Listen to him. Listen to him. The silence is over. The silence is over. The baptism of Jesus shines a huge light on Jesus that says... He's the son. He's approved. His ministry is valid. And God's 
redemption, God's salvation, God's blessing, God's word comes through him. Look to him, listen to him, follow him. The baptism shouts all of those things. Now friends, Jesus really hasn't begun teaching. He hasn't begun working miracles. And before Matthew records any of those things, and quite frankly, before the Lord unfolded those things, what we have in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 is story after story after story of God saying, He's the one. Watch him. Follow him. Listen to him. He's the one. So I don't think I'm doing my job today if I don't say, he's the one. Jesus, he's the one. Deliverance from sin? Look to him. Want to walk in God's blessing? It's going to come through him. It will always come through him. Look to him. Want to be set free from the bondage of sin and death? Experienced in your own ways? Look to him. You want to know where to go, where to turn, how to live, how to think, what to say, what to do? Look to him. It's no accident that what's coming next is recorded. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, but it's Jesus saying, this is what life in me looks like. Listen to him. Look to him. Listen to him. So I think in many ways, this passage pushes us to one of two places. I'm unsure about Jesus. I'm unsure about myself. I'm unsure where I stand. Matthew 3 is shouting like a big, bright spotlight, consider Jesus. Consider him. Please stop looking everywhere else and give Jesus your consideration. You can do that by reading Matthew. We have some books out on that table that, through the doors to the left that will help you consider him. Talk to anyone in this room. I need help considering Jesus. We commend Christ to you. Or you're here and you're like, I've considered him. I trust him. I believe in him. He's the Lord. then we must do the hard work of believing that he's always the conduit for the Lord's work in our lives. God's blessing flows to God's people through Jesus. God's word, God's revelation for God's people is Jesus. God's work on our behalf, will always flow to us through Jesus and applied by the Holy Spirit. I believe in wisdom. I believe in common grace. 
I believe there are things we can glean from all sorts of places as long as all of that says, see Jesus, look to Jesus, trust in Jesus, cry out to Jesus, be delivered by Jesus, follow Jesus, serve Jesus, obey Jesus. All of that's because he is the king. And if we belong to him and to his kingdom, we will cling to him and follow him and walk in his ways. It's so easy to stand up here and say that. It's such a challenge moment by moment and day by day to do that. This passage is calling for commitment. It's calling for allegiance. It's calling for, oh God, help us. It's our Lord and our God. We pray now that you would help us. We pray you would take these words of yours which are true. And the words that I've added to your scripture, as much as they are true, would you work them deeply into us in such a way that we would glorify you and glorify your son and glorify your name. Help us, O God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.